We are continuing our series on parables, talking about how God revealed through Jesus, Jesus' parables, reveal truths about God's kingdom, about heaven's kingdom, about the kingdom, the rule, and the reign of heaven over the people that are on the earth but have been brought into or under the reign of God. And how these parables, if we have ears to listen, if we have eyes to see and a heart to understand, how they will teach us so many things about what it means to live under the rule and the reign of King Jesus. And and before we get into this morning's two parables, I want to start by talking about my favorite board game. Okay, my favorite board game is the game of Risk. I don't know if you've played Risk before or not, but the tagline of Risk, I think there's even a picture maybe. Okay, there you go. So if you don't know what it looks like, there it is. The game of global domination. Uh, That sounds like a fun preacher game, right? The game of global domination. And and I've even introduced it to my boys, and it's fun for me to play it with the boys because they're six and eight. So I can beat them every time. So it's great. Uh, they love it when I beat them. And uh, but but no, if you haven't seen it, it's a it's a world map, and the whole object is to take over the world, is to take over one territory at a time. And you know, I got to thinking about that. Got to thinking about how that's usually how kingdoms work, right? Kingdoms and empires and nations throughout time have historically expanded their borders, taken over other nations and countries. But for the most part, that's been a pretty violent thing, hasn't it? In fact, it's pretty hard to hear those kind of words take over the world, global domination, without thinking of violence and war. And so if we were to tell people, and I don't suggest that we do say it this way, if we were to tell people that our goal as Christians is to try to help Jesus take over the world, well, they would think that we're crazy or that we're kidding or that we're dangerous, right? Because it's hard to think of a nation or an empire or a kingdom taking over the world, global expansion, without thinking in terms of violence, without thinking in terms of military, without thinking in terms of war. Now, I want us to realize that we have to learn to think of Jesus and Christianity in terms of kingdom language. If we're going to understand the Bible, then we have to understand that that's what they were expecting. The Jews that were living in the time of Jesus had been expecting for hundreds of years for a king to show up. And these are the kinds of things that the Old Testament, the prophets of the Old Testament were telling them was coming. Daniel chapter 2 verse 44 says, in the days of those kings, and those kings being the Roman kings, the, the Caesars, in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed, nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and bring them to an end, and it shall stand forever. That sounds pretty intimidating, doesn't it? That in the days of the Roman kings, that God, the God of heaven, Yahweh, will set up a kingdom that will not be destroyed. And in fact, not only will it not be destroyed, but that every other kingdom will crumble and fall before it does. It will be an unstoppable force that the God of heaven will set up on the earth. Well, that sounds incredibly intimidating, doesn't it? Daniel chapter 7, verse 14. 
and to the Son of Man. Jesus identifies himself as the Son of Man. The Son of Man would be given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, listen to those words, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and His kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. Now, again, we are so familiar, most of us, with Jesus and Jesus' language and even somewhat talking about the kingdom that sometimes we don't hear this for what it is. And we don't see through their eyes to see what they were expecting the Son of Man to bring and what they were expecting the Son of Man to do, what you would expect the Son of Man would come and and be like in the world. Because every other king that they had ever known, every other kingdom that they had ever known, especially in language like this that says, Everybody's going to serve me. I mean, think about how you would feel about a person like that. That stands up and says, listen, I'm a king and all dominion and authority is given to me and all peoples, all nations, all languages, they're going to serve me. But you would assume that what you're talking about is a huge military conquest, right? That, that a big kingdom with castles and chariots and horses are going to go and expand their border and take over the world by force, right? That's what you might expect when you talk about a kingdom. And you talk about a kingdom that's going to have dominion over the whole world. And a kingdom that, that is going to break in pieces other kingdoms. And that will be an unstoppable force that will never be destroyed or conquered by another people. And so when Jesus shows up on the scene, Matthew chapter 4 and verse 17, and starts saying things like, repent, change your ways, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This that the prophets told you about that God of heaven is going to set up His kingdom, that the Son of Man is going to come with authority and dominion and power and set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. It's now. It's happening. That 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 you've been expecting is beginning to unfold before your eyes and you better change your ways. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He went everywhere and went into the synagogues and He proclaimed the gospel, the good news, and it is good news, the good news of the kingdom. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. He told people, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 28, the kingdom of God has come upon you. Now again, when you hear these words, if you heard these words, and you thought about what the prophets had said, you would expect something big, right? I mean, if there was one word to describe everything that the Bible tells us about what the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom was going to be like, it's big, right? And when you think big and you think a big kingdom, you think tall walls and big castles and you think chariots and you think horses and you think swords and you think spears and you think mighty and powerful and big. See, but that's thinking about the kingdom in earthly ways, right? That's thinking about kingdoms like earthly kingdoms. And Jesus says to Pilate, he says, my kingdom isn't of this earth. My kingdom isn't an earthly kingdom. It's not like that. I don't conquer in the ways of the world. 
Because if my kingdom was like earthly kingdoms, oh, I could, I could rally plenty of supporters. I could give people swords and shields and spears and I could give people horses and chariots and we could take over like that. But that's not the kind of kingdom I'm talking about. So Jesus tells these parables and Matthew says that the reason why he tells these parables is so that he could utter what had been hidden since the foundation of the world, Matthew 13, 35. That's what the parables were. He was uttering the hidden things, the hidden things about God's heavenly kingdom that was at hand, that had showed up, that Jesus was planting. And so now we read these parables and we say, what can we learn about what it means to live as citizens of Jesus' heavenly kingdom? What does it mean to live in submission to and obedience to King Jesus. How glorious it is. How wonderful it is. But if you're looking for worldly things, earthly kingdoms, it's not to be found here. Jesus says, my kingdom is different. It's better. But, but if we think that he's not out for global domination, we, we haven't been paying attention, right? Jesus really does expect to and know that he will take over the world, right? We talked in the last week about the two parables about those that are not sons and daughters of the kingdom and what will happen to them. But this morning we're going to talk about the growth of the kingdom and how the kingdom works and how Jesus really is expanding the borders of his kingdom. Not in a military way. Not in a way where others are being killed, but oftentimes where he himself and his followers are being killed killed in order to expand the borders of the kingdom because even death itself can't stop the kingdom of God. It is unstoppable. Look at Matthew chapter 13 and verse 31. Matthew 13, 31. He put another parable before them saying, and again, these parables kind of work like riddles. And this morning, the two parables that he's going to tell the crowds aren't really explained for us, but I think if we're paying attention to everything he's been saying and we pay attention to Matthew's whole gospel, I think our eyes will be open and our ears will hear and our hearts will understand what Jesus is saying about his kingdom. He put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven, again, that's heaven's rule and reign, is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, But when it's grown, it's larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. Now, I think so often we get a a parable is a parallel story, right? It's something that's laid beside. So it's kind of an earthly thing, seeds or, um, you know, we've talked about farming and we've talked about the net that was cast and drug in. So it's an earthly thing, a story that's laid beside the truth about the kingdom And so often we can get so distracted by the story itself and the details surrounding the story that we miss the point that Jesus is making in the parallel to the kingdom. Because when you think about a mustard seed, really it's kind of interesting that it is a tiny little seed that grows up and it becomes, the black mustard plant becomes a very large plant. I've read that it can become anywhere between 8 and 10 feet tall, so it becomes huge. It's not really as much a tree as you might think a tree tree where birds are building nests, but I don't think that's really Jesus' point. Jesus' point is this. Take something tiny, minuscule, seemingly insignificant, 
a tiny little thing. And that's how the kingdom of God is going to show up. That's how heaven's kingdom is going to show up. That's how heaven's kingdom is showing up. As he's telling them this story, heaven's kingdom is being unfolded right before their very eyes. And he says, it's not going to come with with chariots and horses and swords and spears and shields. It's not going to come with castles and walls. It's not going to come like other kingdoms that you've seen and and heard of before. It's not going to come like Rome. It's not going to come like Greece. It's not going to come like Persia or Babylon or Assyria. It's not going to come like those kinds of kingdoms and empires. It's going to come like, like a, like a, like a little mustard seed. Like the tiniest seed you ever seen in your life. It's going to come like this tiny little seed. And it's going to be planted. And then that tiny, tiny, tiny little seed, it's going to grow. And it's going to grow disproportionate to the seed that it came from. And it's going to be so huge, you can't even imagine it. And birds of every type, every color, birds big and small, different shapes and sizes, they're going to come to this tree. And they're going to make their home in its in its branches. They're going to come and they're going to be sheltered from life's storms by coming to this tree that came from a tiny little seed. And think about how that parallels with what's going on in Jesus' life and His ministry. And now, standing 2,000 years later, we can see how it all unfolded, can't we? At least see how it's unfolded so far. And so, here we have Jesus the Son of God, the second person of the Godhead, the one who was in the beginning with God and who was God, becomes flesh and is born. Takes on the form of a servant, Paul says, by becoming human. And he's born not as a powerful warrior, not as this king in mighty royal robes, not riding on a chariot, not coming before an angel army, but born as an infant. A helpless little baby like each and every one of us came into the world. And at the same time, unlike each and every one of us came into the world, miraculously, but nonetheless, a helpless little baby. And laid in a manger. And he grows up to be, to be what? A teacher? A rabbi? Meek and loving? Not, not somebody with a sword strapped at his hip, but, but somebody that says to the little children, come come to me, and sits them on his lap. And then eventually dies without a fight at the hands of the Romans and the Jews who rejected him. That tiny little seed. With only at the time a handful of followers. And then on that Pentecost morning, after Jesus has rose from the dead and ascended up into heaven and hundreds of people have seen him alive, And then the hundreds become thousands as the gospel message begins to be preached and it begins to spread. And that which began with a tiny little baby laying in a manger became thousands of people who said that that God who became human flesh, who died for me and who was risen from the dead, I want to follow Him. The One who sacrificed everything for me, I want to be a citizen of His kingdom. And it began to grow, and it began to grow, and it began to grow, and birds of the air. First the Jews, then the Samaritans, the Gentiles, and all the way around the world came, and these birds made their nests 
in the branches of God's rule and God's reign upon the earth. Oh, what a marvelous story it is. Even the, the message itself, even the gospel message itself was like a mustard seed. Paul said this about the, the word of the cross. He says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the word of the cross, it's, it's folly to those who are perishing. It's like an insignificant little seed. And somebody looks at it and says, that? That's the kingdom? That's the word of the kingdom? That's what's supposed to save me and change my life? That's what I'm supposed to give up everything for? No thanks. Your king died on a cross? Your king died without a fight? Your king didn't lead an an army of angels with swords and shields and chariots and horses? But he gave up his life? No thanks. Where's the power in that? Where's the wisdom in that? And they reject it. It's folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. For it's written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning, I will thwart. He goes on to say in 1 Corinthians 1.27, God chose, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is lowly and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. Do you see? You see how God took a little mustard seed? God took a little infant laid in a manger. God took a message of the cross that was foolishness to those who were perishing, and He brought His rule and His reign to the earth. And all of us birds that were seeking a home, seeking a king, seeking a kingdom, seeking a people, seeking salvation, seeking purpose, seeking meaning, have come and made our home in its branches. I want you to picture in your mind's eye this tree that has grown so large over the last 2,000 years. And not just the people that are living now, but every true Christian, every true follower of Jesus Christ, a bird that has made his or her home in its branches of every people and every nation and every language and every tribe. We have come and we've made our home in its branches. And this tree, it surpasses every other plant that's ever grown up, hasn't it? It's bigger and more powerful and more mighty than Rome could have ever dreamed of being. Rome's dead and gone. And the kingdom of heaven is still going on. And people, the birds of the air are still coming. Still coming to this very day to make their home in its branches. You see, that's what the kingdom of heaven does. It grows. It may have started little and seemingly insignificant. And some people may still think that it's seemingly little and insignificant. But for those of us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. It is the good news that God has come to make us His people, to set up His rule and His reign over us, to bring us in to His protection and His love. And we, the church, the birds of the air that have gathered together. You know, it's kind of funny. It's a silly little story. But Holly, she'll be at second service, so I don't know if I'll tell this story then. But when she was little, she, she would when they were driving down the road and she'd see uh, birds up on the high line wire, and she, they all kind of gathered, gathered 
That, that's what ecclesia means. It means to gather. That's the word we translate as church. They, the birds were gathered up on the highline wire, and she'd say, it looks like those birds are having church. But in a way, they kind of were, weren't they? They were gathered. And that's what the church is. The church is the birds of the air that have gathered in the branches of God's rule and God's reign. That's, that's us. And while that's true on a universal level, this tree parable, this tree metaphor, I believe we could also say it's true on a local level as well, can't you? I don't know about you, but I'm excited to be a part of what's going on at McDermott Road. You see, back, as I understand it, about 1995, somebody over at Waterview, or maybe a group of people over at Waterview, had this idea, and it was kind of a mustard seed idea, wasn't it? Start off little. I'm sure somebody said, what if? How about? Wouldn't it be neat if? If we planted a congregation... Plant, church plant, planting a congregation. Isn't that neat how we keep that metaphor? It is. It's like a seed, isn't it? It's tiny. It's just an idea. It was just a spark. And then somewhere around 2000, that seed was literally planted here on this campus. And it's grown. And God's rule and God's reign has expanded. The branches have gotten bigger and stronger. And all of us, that are members here, part of this family. We've come and we've made our home in the branches of this tree. And sometimes growth is hard, isn't it? It's hard because you got to get, get you have to get along with other birds, right? And then sometimes the birds kind of you know get it. And so it's hard as the tree gets bigger and more birds come in. You see that that's that's what the kingdom does. It grows. That is what it's supposed to do. And I don't know about you, but I want to see, I want to see that which started as a little bitty seed. I want to see it grow bigger and bigger and bigger so that everyone knows about the rule and the reign of heaven's king. I want to see more people. I want to see our neighbors. I can look as I'm preaching right now. I can look out and I can see houses of people that are right on the other side of that fence. And I want them to know what Jesus has done for them. And I want them to come and I want them to make their home in these branches as we have. Every bird, different shapes and sizes and colors, rich birds and poor birds, all coming together, gathering, assembling together because we have come to know who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. See, that's our goal. Not just to build a big building and have a lot of people, but to bring people under the rule and the reign of King Jesus. To bring them into the shelter and the protection of the kingdom of heaven because it has come and it is big and it is powerful and it is unstoppable. Not in the ways of the world. The ways the world looks at it and say, well, that's foolish. That's insignificant. But to those of us who are being saved, this good news of God's kingdom is the power of God unto salvation. It means that even death cannot stop us. God's kingdom is unstoppable and it will continue to grow and the birds of the air will continue to make their nests in its branches. Let's look at the next parable, verse 33. Matthew 13, verse 33. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like, it's like leaven. It's like yeast that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Now, I'm sure there's all kinds of applications and all kinds of ideas and thoughts we could have about how the kingdom of God is like yeast or leaven, which 
It's kind of an interesting metaphor or analogy, isn't it? Especially given the fact that most of the time the Bible talks about leaven, it's talking about something bad. It's talking about bad influence. It's talking about sin. At the Passover time, they'd get rid of all the yeast. They'd get rid of all the leaven. They'd sweep it out of their house, make sure there wasn't even a tiny crumb. Because yeast or leaven, it has a mighty influence, doesn't it? But it doesn't influence from the outside. It influences from the inside. You see, that's how the kingdom of God is. It's hidden on the inside. It's hidden on the inside of communities and towns and nations and empires. And it changes things from the inside out. You see, the kingdom of God isn't like a mighty army that's coming with swords and spears from the outside. It's it's on the inside. It changes things from the inside out. When Jesus was talking about this in Luke 17, He was talking to the Pharisees about when the kingdom of God would come. And He said, the kingdom of God isn't coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will anybody say, hey look, there it is. Or there. For all, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. You see, the kingdom of God, God's rule and God's reign the gospel, the citizens of God's kingdom changed the Roman Empire, didn't they? But not by going to war, not by strapping on swords, not by riding on horses, not by shooting cannons, but by influencing the people that were around them. See, Jesus hid the citizens of His kingdom in the world Jesus hid the citizens of His kingdom in the world and they slowly but deliberately, unstoppably change the world around them. They influence and affect everything around them. And over the last 2,000 years, that's what the kingdom of God, that's what the citizens of the kingdom of God have been doing, isn't it? We've been hidden in every nation, in every country, on every continent, and we've been slowly but deliberately and unstoppably influencing the people around us. Sometimes they don't even recognize that's where the influence came from in the first place. You see, our country now, our community now, and our culture now, there's a lot of negative things. Don't get me wrong. There's a lot of negative. But there's a lot of positives too, isn't there? I mean, our culture... It it values kindness, doesn't it? It values being nice to people even when those people disagree with you. Even if you think somebody is dead wrong, you don't make them dead, right? You don't hurt them just because you think they're wrong. Do you know where that influence came from? It came from Christianity, right? Because the world wasn't always like that. The world at one time wasn't loving and kind that way. It didn't value kindness, especially in men. But now we live in a culture that values kindness. I'm not saying that everybody who values kindness is part of the kingdom of God, but I am saying that the citizens of the kingdom of God have works like leaven, have worked like yeast in the world, and we've influenced the world around us slowly, deliberately, and unstoppably. see... The kingdom of God, citizens of God's kingdom change communities and cultures and countries and families and workplaces. When you live as a citizen of the kingdom of God, and again, if you want to know what that looks like, read through the Sermon on the Mount. Come back tonight. Richard Beasley and I are going to talk about kingdom living and what it looks like to live as a citizen of the kingdom of God. 
But when you live that way, you change the world around you. You work like leaven and yeast in the world around you. So when you go to work and everybody else is gossiping and slandering other people in the workplace and you don't take part in that, where you're kind and you say, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't gossip about people. I don't want to be a part of that. And they realize pretty quick they can't gossip or slander around you because you don't live like that. You have an influence on the people around you. When you don't use profanity like they do, when you don't go out and get drunk like they do, when you love and are lovingly and for a lifetime devoted to your spouse, you change the world around you. When you don't look at pornography like your coworkers do, you change the world around you. When you're kind and you share with people about Jesus and why it is that you live the way that you do, it's not because you're better than them or holier than thou. It's because you've been brought under the rule and the reign of King Jesus and He's changed everything for you and that He can change everything for them. It begins to affect the people around you, doesn't it? That's that's the way that it is. God's kingdom is unstoppable. God's kingdom... The kingdom of heaven is unstoppable. It will continue to grow. Birds will continue to come and make their nests in its branches. It will continue to influence positively the world around us. It will work like leaven and yeast in the world around us. We are hidden in this community. We are hidden in so many workplaces secretly, deliberately, unstoppably, influencing the world around us. And it will continue to have an influence until the Lord comes back. But the question is, are you individually taking part in that? Are you living as a citizen of the heavenly kingdom? Are you a part of the growth and the influence that God's kingdom is supposed to be and will have with or without you. It's kind of like Esther. Do you remember Queen Esther in Persia? And she went and she spoke up on behalf of God's people and saved their lives. Mordecai, her relative, said, listen, God's going to save his people one way or the other, with or without you. But this is your opportunity to be a part of what God's about to do. It's the same for you and I, isn't it? God's kingdom is going to grow. The birds in the air are going to continue to come and make their nests in its branches. It will continue to have a positive influence on the communities and the world around us until the Lord returns. The question is, are you taking part of the growth and the influence of God's heavenly kingdom? Are you positively impacting the people around you? Are you telling the birds around you that are seeking desperately for a home and want to be loved? I want to know what life is all about. I want to know what purpose and meaning is. I mean, do you know how many people say, what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of life? (laughs) We could tell them, can't we? Not because we're smarter than anybody else, but because God has revealed it to us through the person and the work of Jesus Christ. He's revealed it to us, and we have come into the Creator's kingdom. And we can share with people what life is all about, what the purpose and the meaning of everything is. We can invite them to come and build their nests in the branches of God's kingdom. It's going to happen one way or the other. Will it happen with your work? And church, listen, as a group, as a church, I think this congregation is committed to just preaching that message, 
to just preaching the gospel message. The world may think it's foolish. The world has always, those who are perishing have always thought it foolish. But that's what we're going to do. Because we believe that just by being God's kingdom, no gimmicks, no games, no tricks, just the gospel of Jesus Christ, we believe that we can bring God's kingdom to the people around us. That we can bring them into God's kingdom. That we can bring the message of salvation and hope and joy and love and meaning and purpose, not by being entertainers, not by having gimmicks, Not by playing games, but just by being the kingdom of heaven. Maybe you're not a part of that kingdom yet. Maybe you haven't come, built your nest, your home, taken up residence under God's rule and reign and shelter and protection and salvation. I'd ask you what you're waiting for. God has offered the invitation. No matter who you are, where you've been, no matter what you've done, Jesus offers pardon and forgiveness. Come be washed in His blood. Come put Jesus on in baptism. Come and make Him your King. And let's work on this together. Let's pray for each other. Let's encourage each other. There's a room in the back. Elders would love to meet with you, talk with you, pray with you, help you, encourage you, whatever you need. Or you can come forward as together we stand and sing.